0: We'll hit all that right now, though. Let's talk some college football. Anthony Trash joining us, pro football focus, lead college analyst. The PFF College preview, Football Preview is out. Go to the site now, subscribe, and uh, and you can have it. He's joining us on the Roman Guest Line. Anthony, uh, welcome back to the show. Excited to talk some college football with you as we're about a month out from the start of the season. We'll start here. I mean, you've been doing all these previews, positions, players, teams we're high on this show on Ohio State. How good can this team be? And do you look at them and put them on the same level as Alabama, Georgia, as we enter this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely the best or one of the best. I I would put them at number two right now heading into the season. I'm still a little bit more bullish on Alabama, but I I think there is still this year, like last year, a clear flaw with all of the top teams I kind of You know, it would make you nervous in some way with Alabama, it being the offensive line once again. I mean, last year's group was honestly one of the worst in the SEC. They were bottom three unit and press rate allowed on block pressures, pass block grade. I mean, their pass block grade last year was, I think, over 15 grading points lower than any other season uh, that we've seen from Alabama in the PFF college era. They lose Evan Neal, who was the highest graded guy from that group. They do replace him with Tyler Steen, a transfer from Vanderbilt, but it's still a pretty significant drop off there. At that position, so that's the concern. But Bryce Young, I think he's the best player in college football. And I think if you had to pick the next best player in college football, it's Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball. And I think those two alone can get Alabama pretty far, alongside all the other talent that they have, like Jameer Gibbs, the running back, Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver, Eli Ricks, the cornerback. All three of those being transfers, and some other key guys they also return. So I'm leaning with Alabama there, but Ohio State's definitely. Number two there, and I think there's a gap between two and three. With Ohio State, the defense is, of course, still the big question mark. Um, You know, they did bring in Jim Knowles, defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. You know, how much can this defense improve in year one under him is the big question there. And They have a lot of young but raw talent. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how all of these guys, even some of the veterans, adjust to this new system um, because it's going to be completely different from what they've been used to playing in the past. So I think that's the big wild card there. Offensively, I mean, there's no concern that this is going to be one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in college football. I mean, the offensive line's great. The wide receiver room is, once again, still good, even though you lose two guys at the first round of the NFL. DJ Stroud, he's a top-five quarterback returning. Um, a lot of people argue maybe he's the best. But, um, I mean, you have a loaded backfield with Travion Henderson and Myon Williams. So, you know, there's definitely – I don't think there's nobody can argue with you that if you say Ohio State's the best I don't think there's an argument to say that they're not the best um but I think it's just kind of splitting areas between them and Alabama at this point but there's a ton of reason specifically with that offense to be bullish on Ohio State
2: Anthony for most bettors that have a full-time job that have a family a lot of responsibilities and if you're betting you're usually betting multiple sports and if college football is not number one on your list it's hard this offseason. It's hard to keep up with the transfer portal. And, and something that I love that you guys did at PFF with, with your preview is on there for each team, you've got a portal section, players gained, career FBS, snaps gained, and where teams ranking, win shares gained from 2021. Can you talk over that process and how challenging that was? And if there are specific teams that stand out where the transfer portal, portal treated them very well or very poorly yeah
1: that's actually one of my favorite sections in the entire preview guys and honestly it was a little bit of a grind to keep that up to date um and you know hopefully next year we can work out some kinks and you know get a better process whether you know we're storing it there or storing it elsewhere in a public thing or it might end up being behind the scenes information for their our team clients but um, you know, just keeping track of the transfer portal. I mean, obviously with it, just how much of a whirlwind it was a grind, but I was really happy to sit down and take the time to find out all that information and extract that and be able to put it into the preview guide for at least this year. Um, and like you mentioned, we have win shares gained and also along the basic information, you know, total snaps played, you know, for their entire uh, collegiate careers, total players added. Um, but then having that win shares gained, I think, is a big piece there. And the win shares, it's um, a metric that we've developed, our research development team, um, you know, spearheaded there by Eric Eager, a good friend and also a friend of your program. Um, he's mm-hmm. he developed this war model for NFL. And for college, it's wins above average that you don't really have a replacement player at the collegiate level. So you can look at the win shares gained um, over the course of their career, and, you know, or at least in this one, 2021. You know, some people will look at this, and, for example, Georgia's a team didn't add a single player, no transfers, right? But then I think they're around 34th in win shares gained, and that's because they didn't have add or lose any win shares. While there's some teams, like Michigan State, for example, who added a, a wealth of, you know, players, but, you know, they had negative win shares gained. And a lot of people look at that like, oh, so did they get worse? And that may not necessarily be true. They just added a bunch of players that are unproven. You know, on the other hand, look at some teams that added – you know, you know, proven valuable players, you know, Alabama, for example, they were at the top of that list near the top in win shares gained. Um, when you have guys, I already mentioned, you know, Jameer Gibbs, Jermaine Burton, Eli Ricks, um, you know, those guys really kind of helped them a little bit because all three, you know, well, at least, you know, Jameer Gibbs and Eli Ricks, I've already been an all-American player on some form or fashion date not first team, but one of the teams after that. Um, And Jermaine Burton has All-American Potential, who's produced at a high level already for Georgia. Um, USC is another one. I mean, I think they're going to be an interesting case study for everybody just because this entire team is essentially transfers, and how can they all mesh and gel together? I think you're going to get that kind of, you know, you can build a culture, but, you know, doing it with a bunch of fresh set of guys, overtaining some players in one offseason, it's extremely hard to do. Um, so they're going to be extremely reliant on transfers. LSU is another team like that as well. Um, you know, those are some. Those are probably the three teams that were most notable to me in some doing some of the transfer studies. And you can find out specifics and on all the Power Five teams and some of the new Power Five teams that we'll see over the next couple of years: Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and UCF, and even Notre Dame, who's still probably going to be an independent um, in that preview guide.
2: We're talking to anthony Tresh um the p f f college football preview is out. We're all excited about it. What's another aspect of the preview um that our listeners would really find some value?
1: Yeah, so I mean from I would say my next favorite section is the breakout players piece, but from a betting perspective, you may not get much value in that, but I think there is a big piece there, and I know Eric, my good friend Eric Giger, already mentioned. He was very excited to get this in there, our projected win totals for all of those Power 5 teams and those other new ones that we'll probably see in the next few years. We have those listed in this preview guide. Um, it can help you kind of you know, measure you know, where we kind of value, and there's some where even me, I'm like, I don't know about that, but I would say most of the time I'm you know, agreeing with it and I'm betting with it, and you're probably going to make some profit just based off of how the last few years have gone for myself and others here at PFF that have kind of followed that way. Um, you know, I I typically like to, you know, maybe we'll get this out on PFF.com. We did it last year. Might do it again this year. Um, just kind of, you know, you put a basic chart in there with, you know, whatever sports book you use. There are listed projected win total for a team alongside our projected win total. And you can really see the difference and, you know, which team that we really – value more than others, um, you know, whether it's the over and under, you know, whatever that may be. So I think from a betting perspective, this audience, they're going to get a really good, you know, they would really enjoy that. So you can see that over at bff.com
0: Anthony, when we look at the market to win the national championship, there's always a, only a few teams that really pop up. We already talked about Ohio State in the context of Georgia, Alabama, But then there's that fourth spot, and that's always where it's interesting. There's not that many teams. There's certain teams that kind of pop up. But USC is one that I find interesting because their number is pretty short to possibly be that fourth team. I've seen them out there around 20 to 1. What do you think about USC? You mentioned earlier trying to keep up the database of players moving. Do we think it's going to be easier for coaches, harder? What do you think about a guy like Lincoln Riley going to USC? Is it going to take him a while to get this going, or do you think that goes off the ground right away because he's such a good coach and the talent influx he brought in there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard. I think it's hard to really say. And I'm not going to be surprised at any outcome. I think they're one of the more boomer bust teams in the country. And, you know, our model, our simulation, doesn't really like USC this year. That was one of the teams where I was like, I don't know. I, I personally kind of do like them. But, again, I'm not going to be surprised if the model is right there, and, you know, it, that has been the case sometimes where I think I'm, I'm right and the model ends up being right over me. Um, you know, again, like, there's just going to be very much boom or bust. I think the development of Caleb Williams is very much key in that. Um, you know, he, what he did last year as a true freshman, while it wasn't a full season, he still exceeded expectations for considering his age and experience level, right? He wasn't perfect. Um, he definitely showed that he has a lot to work on in his game, mainly – the biggest one just playing more disciplined football but if you look at any quarterback in his position you know that's that's the biggest issue right you come from high school where you're just so much more talented than the opposition you're pretty much just playing schoolyard football you're not really running an offense you're just you know over-talenting everybody right your talent is just unmatched compared to the other guys. so you know that's where he kind of just showed his fatal flaws and you know, that first half of the Kansas game, for example, was one before he ended up saving the day with just with his, you know, abilities. Um, You know, definitely has the talent to be the best quarterback in college football. But, again, you just got to be a more disciplined player. And, you know, it's not something to be concerned about long term yet. But, you know, that's not, something, not an easy six year over year. So, you know, I think that's a big something. You know, that's something that's very much big up in the air. The defense, too. I mean, a bunch of transfers are there as well. I mean, they added some very, very talented players. Um, in the transfer portal, Makai Blackman, the cornerback from Colorado, um, one of the best cornerbacks in the Pac-12 over the last couple of years, one of the more underrated players in the conference. Um, They also got Eric Gentry, you know, uh, freshman All-American for us last year from Arizona State, the off-ball linebacker, um, and also some breakout candidates as well. I mean, Corey Foreman on the edge, you know, five-star top recruit. He's one to watch there um, and a wealth of other players as well. So, you know, I think – there's just a lot of, you know, unknown factors with this team. You throw in just the the the, the new head coach, the new system, all these transfers. That's where you get the boomer bust nature. Um, in addition to the just who the players are. Um, and so again, I think I I, would, I disagree with the, what the model is saying. I think they're going to be a little bit better than what that's saying. I think they're going to be the Pac-12 champions. Um, I think they have a realistic shot of the college football playoff, but. Again, I'm not going to be absolutely shocked if this thing goes south. But at the end of the day, long term, I think USC is on the right track. I I don't think if things do go south this year and maybe they are under expectations, I wouldn't be concerned long term. I, I still think we can rather have this team back to the USC standard not for too long.
2: Anthony, before we only have two or three conferences in all of college football, let's see uh, if uh, we can find some conference bets with a little bit of value. Are there, are there any uh, conference futures bets that you like?
1: Well, that's a good question, and it's funny you mentioned like just being in like two conferences, because I think honestly, that's probably what's going to end up happening. Um, I, I think if you look at I think the ACC is interesting because Clemson's still the slight slight favorite there. But honestly, if you said any of five teams will end up winning the ACC this year, I wouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, I really do think that there's five teams that have a clear shot of winning the ACC. I think Wake Forest, they're 18 to 1 to win the ACC championship game. I think that has some there. You know, I think you could also say the same about North Carolina State at at, um, 8 to 1. Um, And if you also look at Excuse me. Um, You probably go down to, I think the SEC is probably interesting. I think Alabama, even though they're the favorite, um, you know, it would be hard for me to think that any of the other teams are going to win it. And I've seen some people say, well, you know, long shots, you know, maybe Arkansas can do something, but no, it's going to be Alabama. I don't really see any value there. And again, I already talked about the Pac-12, I think USC, there are the slight favorite there and that's probably where I would want to lay my money there. And I don't see, even though I think some teams in the Pac-12 could surprise this year, I don't think any of them are going to sneak up on USC or even Utah, who's right there with them. Um, but I would probably place my money on USC in the Big Ten. I think that's where things get a little bit interesting, especially if you just look at the division perspective. Um, you know, if you look at the the Big Ten East, obviously I think that's Ohio State to take, and I would be a little, a little bit surprised to see even Michigan. But the Big Ten West, I think. You could probably make a pretty good case that Purdue has a pretty decent shot. Um, it's interesting. I think they've gone from an underrated team at the beginning of the offseason. Now they might be a little bit of an overrated team, but I still think that they're pretty equal with the teams at the top, you know, Wisconsin being the favorite there. And Nebraska, I don't quite understand the hype, even though I get that they were 3 and 9, a lot of close losses last year. I still think that they're a 500 team at best this year. Um, In Minnesota, I think, also should be in the conversation, I think. Also, honestly, our simulation has has the best shot to win the Big Ten West, um, even though they're not even close to being the favorite for the Big Ten West. So, you know, Purdue and Minnesota, I think there's some value there if you're just betting the division. Um, But, again, it could end up just being Wisconsin's for the taking, but I still think that there's some question marks there. So, you know, I think those are kind of the more popular ones I've been eyeing. Um, The Big 12 is also one that i disagree with with our model i think texas if i had to make a bet on that i would probably place it on texas um but our model well it does like texas more than usc there's just a lot of unknown nature there so they're not as high on them as the market is um but i still think that if i had to bet on a team it's probably texas there so that's that's kind of where i'm at with a lot of where the conferences are at right now um but you know i, I still need to get into the group of five and place some bets there i have a you know, I'm now looking at some of the sports books. They weren't previously listed, but now I see they are. Now I'm looking at this, and I might have to carve out some time sometime in the next couple of days.
0: Great stuff, Anthony Trash. Pro Football Focus on the Roman guest Line. Get a free issue and ongoing care for ADL for the comfort and privacy. Your com slash BeckUL now to get $15 off your first month. GetRoman.com slash all Baseball here today. We'll get in today's card and MLB Survivor next on the BeckUL Network.